Welcome to episode 151 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, brought to you by Meow Wolf. Wait, wait, what? Hold on. Okay, more on that in a second. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles, where indeed we have some big news uh, this week. Uh, but first, Let's do a little bit of setting up the show. You know how you like to do it, all chaotic-like. You know, open the show, say something, tease you, tell you who's going to be on the show, talk about Patreon, then come back to talking about the show. It's going to be like that, but more intense. Here we go. This week on the show, Nagin Singh, executive director of the Santa Monica Pier and the founder of Cartel Collaborative Arts Los Angeles, is here we talked with her this week about uh, the exciting stuff that's going on at the pier. This this is great. There's cartels been in the interactive game for a while now. Uh, they're also the producers of uh, Broke LA, which was originally Broke Cella. So like they've produced music festivals, they produce interactive art and events. They've had a whole marketing arm, and Nagin is now, and has been for a bit, the executive director of the Santa Monica Pier. So she's bringing that world down to the pier, which is like a massive destination for all of Southern California. We get into all of that in a little bit. Um, and, and we're here because our friends down at Think Tank have partnered up with them. And Jacob was like, hey, you want to talk with like us and Nagin? I was like, no, I just want to talk to Nagin. So I'll get to you later again, Jacob. Um, <laughs> you've been on the show enough. No, no. Jacob will be back soon enough because I want to talk about what they're what they're doing with this. Uh, uh, this is a, a great kind of watershed moment. I guess I'm going to talk more about the show. Um, <laughs> great watershed moment for uh, this work in Los Angeles because here we have the founder of a group that's been doing this for a while now, um, stepping into the role of leading one of the institutions here in LA. And this is, this is the life cycle of arts. Um, this is how it happens. And this is how, what starts at the fringes and in the parking lots of breweries becomes, uh, the very fabric of civic culture. Uh, so I couldn't be more, excited for Nagin and I couldn't be more excited for all of us because of the opportunities that are coming down the line. So that's what's at stake for all of us today, or at least all of us here in LA and indeed, you know, moving down the line and get an angle towards looking at this sort of stuff in New York and Chicago and, and other places. Um, but let's talk a little bit about those words Five words, one, two, three, four, six words, six words that I said, I got, I'm reading things. I read sometimes, it's true. Uh, six words that I said at the top of the show brought to you by Meow Wolf. Um, I'll, I'll maybe go more into detail on the back end of the show, but starting today, June 1st, 2018, uh, for at least a little while, not necessarily forever, but for at least a little while, uh, Meow Wolf is the presenting sponsor of No Persinium. Uh, what does that mean? That means, uh, and and mind you, they were very chill and they said like, oh, you don't need to slap our name everywhere. I'm going to slap their name everywhere for a while because I am, I am so chuffed at just the fact that they're out there. Meow Wolf, for those of you who don't know, um, and hopefully many of you who listen to the show on a regular basis, you do know, but for those who don't know, Meow Wolf is an arts collective that is in Santa Fe. They have their their headquarters there, and they have this big installation, uh, better known as the House of Eternal Return. And this is this has gotten, um, it's, a, it's a big immersive installation. They often have concerts there. It's this sort of art play park explorer um, you know, set up scenario and they're, they're supercharged right now. They've been getting a lot of interest, getting investment. They helped, uh, they, they helped promote and, and support the work that happened in Austin. Uh, the, the whole, um, 
the whole thing that Deep Dive Austin did with, you know, the, the, the two people, one of them was Brian Bishop, you know, going and exploring. We did that whole episode. You know, Meow Wolf was providing the funds for that. Uh, they're working on opening up another installation in Denver in 2020. And they're, they're this amazing thing. I don't want to call them a machine because unlike almost anything else that's ever existed in the space, they're a B corporation. They're out there to change the way that artists get paid. They're there to find a way to make this work sustainable. And they're doing it based on ticket sales and public support and and the supportive investors who believe that this kind of work is sustainable over the long run and that people will come. And they've proved it by building what they built in Santa Fe and drawing people from one, the, the, the large number of people who come to Santa Fe for all of the sort of the spa and the art action. Uh, and then they've become a destination in and of themselves. And they're opening up in other markets that that have that kind of hunger and that is not being fed uh, to the degree which it could be. I'm so grateful that they decided that we're something that deserves sponsorship. Um, does this mean that I leave the day job? No, uh, not yet. But I will tell everyone we're about halfway there now. We were we were about a sixth of the way there, and now we're halfway there. And there's more work to be done. There's more funds to be raised. And indeed, here we go. Uh, none of this would be possible without the support of our Patreon backers. And uh, we haven't got anybody new in a couple of weeks. And this episode right here starts the next big campaign. Okay, so we've hit a big milestone. We're halfway there now. Uh, we, we, we could always use more because then we can start paying everybody else, uh, like a real, you know, real money for what they're doing. Uh, patreon.com slash no proscenium. As always, our sustaining backers are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. We do need your support. Uh, in some ways, now that the door is open, now that we can actually see the finish line more than ever. So whether you listen to the show or not, and I don't know how people who don't listen to the show are going to hear this pitch, but I just want everyone to tell everybody, uh, now's the time. Now's the time to help us super accelerate. Patreon.com slash NoForSinium, even the dollar a month level. If you know friends who don't listen to the podcast, but do interact with the website or get the newsletter, you know, just say like, all, hey, you know what? Tell them about what's going on with Meow Wolf. Tell them that we're getting ready to knock the door down here because when we can go full time, when we can invest all of our energy towards this, things change, right? Our ability to focus on this work changes the reality around us. Okay, enough of that. Let's get back to the pier. Um, I said most of what I needed to say because I got excited about it. Uh, Nagin and I hadn't met before. I think we exchanged emails a couple of times over, over the course of the years. Um, she's delightful. Uh, he, um, you're going to hear me crack up a lot. Uh, this was, this was a fantastic, uh, surprise. Her career has taken her into all kinds of aspects of this work. So, you know, we talk about space, we talk about art, we talk about augmented reality. Um, this, this is, but this is one for the record books. Eh, it's not one for the record books, but I'm quite, quite happy that uh, Nagin Singh is there at the Santa Monica Pier and that this is a brain that we have in the constellation of immersive in Los Angeles and indeed in the country as a whole and that there's a new destination, a new home for work that maybe doesn't fit in anywhere else. And that there is maybe the most exciting thing of all. Let's get into it. Easily stumble into this thing. In fact, that probably just made it in. Uh, Nagin, um, before we get started on what Cartel Arts is, uh, you're working 
what was the t- you just said it a second ago, but for everyone, because I'll, I'll say it in the cold open, but say it again for me right now. For, at, your relation to the pier is... I'm the new executive director of the Santa Monica Pier. The executive director of the Santa... Uh, do, do people know, just for starters, that that the Santa Monica Pier has an executive director? So it's, re- so it's really fun because when I first got the job, a lot of friends were like, so do you run the Ferris wheel? And it's like, but no. We, oh, you don't? Oh. <laughs> Interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> Not my job. My husband would joke that it's my job to get the seagulls off of the pier, just shoot, shoo seagulls all day. Um, oh, that's you. That's me. No. Yeah, I shoo seagulls. Um, but no, so there's basically, I'm the executive director of the Santa Monica Pier Corporation. And I'll give you just a little bit of kind of how, what we do and, and how we're split up with what the city does. We are not a city entity, but we are funded um, a lot by the city of Santa Monica. Our office uh, handles all of the programming, any curation, uh, leasing, uh, activations, installs, anything, and, and all the marketing of the pier. So basically anything that makes the pier an attractive place to visit, that's us. Then there's the Santa Monica uh, Pier Management's office. They handle capital investments into the pier. You know, uh, the pier bridge needs replacing. That's really them. But we do work together. Whatever we do, we talk to them about. Whatever they're doing, they talk to us about. But they're really on the, you know, parking and security and, and that side. And we are on how do we make this a place that people want to visit. So I have a team of eight awesome employees and then an amazing group of contractors and agencies and stuff that work alongside us and city stakeholders and board members. And it's a whole thing. Now, we're talking at this point because Jacob Patterson over at Think Tank is teaming up with you guys for, I guess... um, a few things. Or a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's think tanks, cut, I guess, do they have a residency in a sense? Is that what it is? No, or? it's really a partnership. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I'm really excited about when, it, when I took this job, I sort of let the board know that I'm planning on bringing the people who I've loved working with with me. Um, and one of those you know, groups was Think Tank. We have, as Cartel, have produced things at their space. Personally, I've worked with them um, on different projects. Uh, and what I loved the work that they were doing. I love Jacob's street smarts and the edge that they bring to the art scene. And him and I have a lot of like-minded ideas about, um, you know, what I love about Think Tank's work and, and what I've always strove, strived, strove? Strove, strived, strived. It's driven. What I've striven. No, it's strove. It's strove. What I strove. Don't trust me. (laughs) Lesson number four. I will make up words that convince people to use them. What I have strivited for uh, (laughs) is (laughs) what I've strivited for uh, is is really (laughs) tricking people into art. Um, I don't. (laughs) Keep going. I don't like making art for people who go to art things. Like, that's my secondary audience. Cheers. Cheers. Um, you know, that that's cool, and getting the respect of that community is cool, but I am actually more interested in the person who just wants to grab a beer, and holy crap, what did I get myself into, and oh my God, that was awesome, and now I've gone home and I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. Like, that is my whole thing. And what I've loved with Think Tank is really they truly do capture that non-art audience a lot of the time because oh yeah i'm gonna go there and take an instagram photo and then you go and it's like oh no this art's really good and this is this is actually making me a better person so um we've partnered with them on a few projects upcoming at the pier uh you know one is pier 360 which is coming up which is our giant active lifestyle fest with 500 athletes from all over the world but it's also um like a beach history uh like festival so they're working with us on installation work and bringing our peer museum that we, it's like a pop-up museum we do every year, but this time it's going to be a lot more interactive. They're bringing that to life with us. Um, I've started a new uh, series called Seesaw over the summer where we, uh, alongside with Think Tank, are selecting six artists who have a lot of trouble explaining what they do. That's literally what oh. we want is six artists that they truly, you, they cannot, exp- it's like they have to use hyphens, they have to use dashes, they have to use symbols to really explain what it is that they do. Um, and uh, we want we want to book six artists for two nights in the observatory at the end of the pier to do something. The feel I want is somebody goes to it and goes I went to the pier I went to this thing 
I don't know how to explain it. You should definitely go. <laughs> like that's exactly what we're trying to do. So they're yeah. working with us on that and a couple other projects, but I'm super excited about the work we're doing over there. The platform is crazy at the pier. So well, it's, I a mean, it's, it's a destination for everyone who comes to LA County. Number one, most Instagram spot in LA. It actually, I think Southern California. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wait, even more than Disneyland? Yeah. What? From what I understand, the last yeah. article I read is that the pier, yeah. The pier's free. That's true. It's free, and it's open 24 hours a day. That's we get 9 true. million visitors a year. 9 million a year. Yeah. Holy moly. Well, well, we'll talk a bit about about the scheme of like immersive interactive stuff at, at a large scale. We'll, we'll do that as we get down here. But you mentioned cartel arts. Mm-hmm. Um, is that... Right? Did I get that right? Yeah, or just, or just cartel, cartel, cartel arts. Okay. Then there's the agency. There's a whole lot of other ways you can say it. Yeah. So, so that's you've been you founded them. You've you guys have been working on the immersive interactive stuff for a while now. Yeah, since before those were words that people used to even describe it. We were just like, we're doing weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You want to come to our weird shit? It's not theater, but it kind of is. <laughs> so. so what? How did how did you get to doing that and 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 what and what of that energy are you bringing to your your current position because this is that is a big platform right That's, you've got yeah. this yeah. huge platform and you've got this history of making immersive interactive absolutely art. so with cartel i started it when i was really young i was 21 i'm 31 now so 10 years ago um and i started it in college because i was an actor kind of at the time and not kind of i was acting a lot and i was it's, just there's no shame in being I know, a former actor. Actor. It's, I know. it's an actor in college <laughs> um but i was just getting I was becoming the actor that directors hate where I would just be like, well, what if we did it like this? And like, oh, well, well, like we're not even marketing it right. And like, da, da, da. and I just realized that. You were an that actor who really wanted to produce. I, exactly. Exactly. 100%. And I was tired of waiting for, you know, as a brown woman, I would, in a predominantly white program, I got cast a lot, but in very specific types of roles. I was the other woman. I was the mysterious exotic, you know, whatever. I was like, I was never really like, oh, here's just like the lead, you know, whatever. Um, And uh, I was just tired of waiting to be cast for things and finding out what my fate was. It just wasn't for me. So myself and a group of um, rad uh, young artists in the program decided to start a company. I'm doing air quotes. because it was just a group of friends who were like, I don't know, you want to make something? Let's make it fast. And so we started doing, the first thing that we did was the living room tour. That was like the very first thing where we wrote a play that takes place in a living room and we toured it across different living rooms across Southern California. And we would show up and we'd throw a party in their house too. Um, so we'd show up an hour and a half before. We had no idea what the house was. We performed in dorm rooms and mansions, like literally the end, the same show. Show up an hour and a half before, block the show, just kind of go, this is where it goes. And uh, throw a pre-party, do the show, and then have like a post-show, like hang out, talk back, you know, whatever. And it was just so exciting because I didn't have to ask anybody, you know, can we do this? Should we do this? It costs zero dollars to do. Um, And the show, you know, this was 10 years ago and the show was about a gay couple coming out. And at that time, it was still something that was difficult to talk about. Um, Actually, this was even, this was 11 years ago. Yeah. And so we were doing a lot of work like that. It's like pre-prop eight. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we were going into homes where this conversation was not being had, and yet sort of in this fun party vibe, we were talking about it. Um, and it was really exciting because the actor is, you know, within a, a couple inches from you sometimes, and that wasn't work that was being done a lot, you know? Yeah. So. We were doing stuff like that. We were taking over um, the school at night because we made friends with janitors who let us in spaces and did crazy shows where you know people wore headphones and so that we wouldn't make noise and get, wouldn't get caught. Like literally, we would think of all these sort of different ways. Then I moved to LA um, and we had decided we were not gonna we were gonna kind of like spread our wings and do our own thing and whatever. And within six months, we all called each other up and we're like, "I miss you. Let's make stuff. <laughs> LA sucks." Um, <laughs> and uh, so we started um, back up again. And on the art side, we did everything from giant clown shows because I'm a trained clown. You should know this. Um, and uh, to shows that would take place. Um, you know, sort of in site-specific places and, and have this ensemble created 
work. Um, then we moved into the festival space and just grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, and we made a conscious decision pretty early on to start not call it theater. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because it attracts a very specific type of patron. And right. again, it's not a, it's not something I was super interested in. And we started talking about the work we do just really differently. We stopped, you know, the, a lot of times theater's like, please come to our show. Right. And it just wasn't cool. It wasn't cool or interesting. And it's like, I wouldn't want to go to that. We don't want the feeling of you go in and there's like a sad bottle of wine and you get like a $5 sad bottle of wine and you your cup of wine and you sit by yourself and you wait for the show and then you leave at the show. You know, we just didn't want that. So we just did a lot of different type of work and, um, up until, and then we started the agency and whatever. And then when I got this job at the pier, you know, I've taken a step back, um, since then from cartel, uh, and and they're doing amazing, they're going to continue doing amazing work, but, um, bringing a lot of those cartel vibes over to the pier, working with a lot of the same people over to the pier. Um, so it's just really exciting. What's what do you sort of see as as the the arc here, or or are we at an inflection point? Because here you are, someone who's been making unconventional work, and now you're you're kind of being pulled into a civic institution, mm-hmm. right? Like, is is this part of a, a wave? Was was that one of the ways you got the gig? Absolutely, one hundred percent. They were looking for someone with fresh new ideas and not to say I'm the freshest, most newest, but I do have a track record of out of the box thinking. I do have a track record of working within very strange confines and, uh, you know, yes, the immersive theater work is important to that, but also the work, you know, cartel created broke LA, which used to be broke cella, um, you know, which grew from 400 people to 8,000 people in a matter of years, uh, in this sort of immersive music festival space that was done with very little and uh that is why they hired me they hired me for those ideas and one of my many steps of interviews was to pitch them ideas and I went as crazy I mean I literally started the pitch with like I can pitch you 5ks and I can pitch you movie nights and whatever but I'm just gonna assume you know that I can do those things here's some crazy shit (laughs) I want to do and I like left that meeting being like that went great they will probably never call me again. <laughs> and instead they offered me the job. So they really are trusting me to go big. And I don't want to disappoint. Where's where's that coming from, do you, do you think? That that they've got this ability to... I'm talking like they're a foreign, like, like <laughs> weird aliens. Like, mm, mm, these institutions, <laughs> somehow they have developed sentience. Yeah, right. Uh, where, where is that instinct coming from? To stay relevant. I Mm. think, you know, Santa Monica, I've never seen a city be as civically engaged as Santa Monica, to tell you the truth. I mean, there are council meetings that... Oh, the council meetings on KCRW. They're insane. Oh, favorite listening. It's really, it's intense. Like, I have... Tuesday nights, KCRW. 7 to 9 p.m., I believe. I mean, my first council meeting, Evan Spiegel from Snapchat. Did you hear that one? No. Oh, Evan Spiegel from Snapchat. It was it was to defend the Twilight concert series, which I'm in charge of now. Um, but Evan Spiegel stood up at the very first council meeting that I ever went to and pledged a million dollars to like keep the series going like from his personal money. And it was like, what's happening right now? <laughs> um, it's intense. And, and outside of, you know, the, the billionaires of the world, I mean, right. like it's everybody from the homeless folks to the business owners to everybody has a say. And there's a real want to keep Santa Monica's in, in the midst of this corporatization, in the midst of becoming this, you know, and, and it is just this like very, posh city they want to keep santa monica santa monica as well and it has a lot of really strange roots i mean santa monica and venice are right next to each other and a lot of those vibes started at santa monica and the pier is a very kooky place it's it's strange it's weird and other than like bubba gump shrimp there's no brands on the pier um <laughs> like there's it's all you know sort of one-off restaurants we're not really allowed to have you know a chilies on the pier or anything like that we have street performers on the pier they really want to figure out a way to retain that strangeness and that mm. like that magic, um, but also have it work well within what the city needs. So I think right now um, there's such a high bar for public space. Like we are seeing, I mean, cartels agency work where we were getting hired from different 
you know, cultural institutions or, um, you know, uh, even like sort of uh, mixed workspaces to come in and curate, you know, some sort of art installation because it's an expectation. It's an expectation when you go to a space that it is decorated, that the music is what you want to listen to, that, you know, that you're getting a real feel for what they want you to feel. And the peer, I think, can use that. The peer can use a little bit more curation and kind of go hey, you, you've stepped onto the pier. This is the experience I want you to have versus just kind of, you're at the pier and it's crazy and go on the Ferris wheel and see you later. The history there is insane and it's my job to bring it out. Well, and there's so many opportunities between physical stuff and then just what we can layer in digital to like unveil that history or create curated experiences for people. Well, that's another reason I think I was hired is because outside of Cartel and, and I actually don't know if you know this, but outside of Cartel and the pier, um, I spent three years at a company called Daiquiri, Augmented Reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was the director of inspiration there, which is a real title. Um, and oh, we're getting into that. Now. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna sit on the floor now. Okay, so you're at Daiquiri. Let's yeah. go. Let's yeah, do this. yeah. So I let by the end of my time, I started there just helping throw their events as a contractor. Then I became the head of their experiential. Then, uh, so I went from like, like kind of planning their events to planning which events we were gonna do, and then it was planning what we were showcasing at each event. And then I went into actually creating the things we were so showcasing at the event. And so I went from a very non-technical role to leading a team of developers and creatives around the world, literally in Dublin and New Zealand and and here. And we would take the most cutting edge technology that Daiquiri had to offer, which they were very early in the game in augmented reality. And oh, super um, early. Yeah, yeah. Super, and super early. we would create experiences that in the same way that I trick people who aren't looking for art into art, I would trick people who had never seen AAR before into an AR experience and go, this is what you can do with this. This is the sort of, so, and I used a lot of cartel for that and it was awesome. And so I'm bringing some of that tech background and obviously I'm not, I am not a developer myself, but I can at least speak now to different tech companies and go, hey, these are things that are possible. Here's the bandwidth that we have. Here are the struggles. I know that I can't just call an AR company right now and go like, yeah, let's have a giant AR installation because I know how hard it is to do those things. So I can start having these conversations and talk about how we can upgrade the peer in general to host them. But at the same time, like you get something like a Niantic Uh that just decides, oh, we're going to flood a bunch of Pokemon in. Did you see the photos of Pokemon Go? the pair? Uh, I do believe I saw, I think, I think the, the thing that sticks in my mind the most was when there was something appeared in Central Park and it was something like 3,000 people moving, but, but if memory serves, More the, than that the, on pier, the pier, there was, there was at three o'clock in the morning, there was like over 10,000 people at the pier. Like it's insane. I have photos. And that wasn't even the first month, was it? That it was. was like, it was insane. It yeah. was just, and I wasn't there for it. I was sent uh, the video and stuff when I started to just check out like what could happen at the pier in terms yeah. of when a fad comes along. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's crazy. Early adopters, man, they flock to the pier. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about this, like this weaving, weaving the technical, the digital side, and the live together, mm-hmm. right? Um, where you've you've been working in this space for a while is that something that's still heating up i mean these things sometimes they seem like going in waves or that there's kind of a a fad behind Mm -hmm. it and i think there's a lot in the in the tech press in particular there's some skittishness right now around this kind of i think a lot of it is that when it first when ar and vr really first hit the scene it was all about oh my god you got to see this like Mm -hmm. and you didn't care if it took you know 10 minutes to boot up because it's fine. Like I'm about to see something I've never seen before. And people want to shoot for the moon when it comes to AR. But right now, just even our bandwidth of like what the internet can handle, we're not going to get there quite yet. We, we still need to build the infrastructure, the hardware to where it doesn't feel like you're going through a surgical procedure to be <laughs> able to see a great VR piece. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing about VR and AR is it can make people feel really stupid. If you're not in that mm. space, you, it's such a vulnerable experience. You're walking up to somebody, they're putting, strapping something to your face, or they're giving you an iPad that you have to figure out 
how to hold and oh the light needs to be just right and blah blah so it can be a very like vulnerable experience for somebody who's doing this and going like am I doing this right do I look stupid am I seeing this thing I don't know if I'm getting this and that's going to change obviously as people get more and more comfortable with it um but I think the best uses of technology in live space is when you don't know there's technology in that space when you're Mm. not going like ooh, this is an AR experience versus oh I was there and things popped out of the wall and I think it's mixed media I have no idea what it is projection mapping coming to the (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but I think you know that's really how do we because the best examples of AR take technology away from you take take put you back into the world Mm. right VR is different VR is escapism and I like VR and that's fine um, but I'm way more interested in AR um, because AR connects VR is about escape AR connects you back to your space and Right now, it can't fully do that, again, because of the headgear and everything that you need for that to get there. But eventually, we will be able to look back up again. And that is the most exciting thing about AR, is that you don't want to be hunched over onto your phone. You want to look up and be able to interact and deeply feel kind of the space that you're in via facts, via, uh, you know, anything. I mean, and the pier, you think about the pier, you think about the fact that Popeye was born on the pier. The Popeye myth was born on the pier. We had the first black uh, documented surfer in our waters. We, you know, we're the first place that had a public paddleboard club, all of this uh, just amazing history. My office was, um, was a, 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 a apartment for like old Hollywood stars. Like, Mm. um, people could be walking through the pier and gaining this knowledge in a really intuitive way instead of there just being a sign up that you pass by and it's just visual clutter. So I'm currently talking to folks about, okay, this is a long play, but how do we integrate AR into the pier so that people are getting that kind of richer what's under the pier deck experience? There's there's this whole thing right now, sometimes I'll pop up in demos and people are starting to talk about immersive characters, mm-hmm. right? Like this 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 idea that, God, I saw some tweet a couple days ago that was saying like, immersive character is going to outnumber people a thousand to one. And I was like, oh, good okay. Lord. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> but, and they're, they're mostly thinking Put in terms the West of, roll down, buddy. <laughs> yeah. They're mostly thinking in terms of, AI, uh, in terms of um, AI run, you know, bots yeah. and, and whatnot. But this idea that there's a way to, you know, use augmented reality or even use characters, like kind of like um, sort of summon the past yeah well again you want to spend so you think about like the amazon echo right Mm. and a lot of times when when people especially non-technologists think about the future of technology it's always like you're strapped to more things and you're staring at the computer you're spending more time digitally but the echo is actually about like i'm gonna make being on my computer less. Like I don't need to now go online to shop for whatever. You right. can just be like, hey, do that thing so I can get back to work. Back, just, back just don't to do any crimes now. Yeah, right. So, right. <laughs> right. so I think <laughs> as much as I think yes, there's gonna be a ton of technology around us, I think it's actually gonna be a lot more subtle right. than we think. It's gonna take over our lives like it already has. But I think it's going to be a lot more subtle. I don't see a future where there's like 50 robots walking around me. But I do see my couch is a robot, right. you know, and my couch knows my settings when I sit down instantly and is going to, you know, feed to that. Yeah, it's getting it's getting the technology to, to go back to being invisible, right? Exactly. You know, and and the technology I always like to say like the screens used to be our escape, and mm-hmm. now there are shackles. One hundred percent. You know, we used to like watch. I mean, we still watch television for pleasure, but like you know, when the internet first started, we'd go online like, oh, this amazing yeah. world. Yeah. Now it's like, can we just make it stop? And everyone's constantly yeah. having to look it's at it. It's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. And and this idea that we can enchant space mm-hmm. and that we can sort of bring, for me, with the thing with immersive is always, particularly with live immersive, there's this sense of creating a fictional space that somehow feels more real mm-hmm. or, or more true than the hyper-mediated reality we mm-hmm. live in. Right, like we're walking down the street and we're like attuned to our phones because the the real important stuff is happening in the cloud. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a space that's been delineated, when you're putting in an art installation and mm-hmm. you're saying like, no, this here, put your shit down, put your shit down because this this moment you're in is the most interesting thing mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna possibly be able 100%. to be in, and it's such a relief, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the things. Um, 
that's interesting maybe about selfie museums, as we like to call them. <laughs> the selfie palace? Yeah, the selfie palace. Uh, the Instagram farm. Um, I've, got a million, I've got a million things. Um, is, is that it, at least for that one moment when, sure, you're still using the phone, but at least for that one moment, it's all about mm-hmm. being in that space. Yeah. You know, you know I, I have a, a love-hate relationship with the Instagram museums. I, I try to create work that is beyond that, but I do also see the beauty in it sometimes. I mean, you think about the pier again, it's the number one Instagram place, but um, one of the things that an employee of mine was talking about was that she uh, she's on Tinder, and she's like, you really can't go very far, go very long without seeing somebody's Tinder profile picture that's taken at the pier. <laughs> um, like, and, and honestly, if I walk down the pier on any given day, so my office, by the way, is above the carousel on the pier. Oh, so sweet. I'm like in it. Like yeah. I am on the pier. I don't like work in some satellite office. Wait, was there, was, wait, so there were apartments above the carousel yeah. at some point? Yeah. Somebody lived above the carousel? Lots of people lived above the carousel. What? They're all, they're all our offices now, but yeah, it's, it's a hundred and, 10 year old building that is... the carousel is 98 years old every like first or second Tuesday of the month there's an organ tuning um, that people hate but I think is amazing <laughs> it's very loud but yeah it's a 98 year old organ that gets tuned it's you gotta come check it out it's so I wanna do tours of our offices cause they're pretty amazing oh yeah 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 Tours or like get, let someone go crazy with a. But yeah, you know, people program. are people. You walk down the pier on any given day, and there are people who are literally having these like faux photo shoots on the pier. Like you know, their their Instagram boyfriend is like holding three cameras and like lighting and whatever, and they're kind of looking away from the camera and then looking at it, and it's just it's so funny to me. Um, and so I definitely want to take that energy of wanting to be seen and wanting to you know capture a moment. Um, I think that that's important, but how can I do it in a way that maybe enriches you just maybe a little bit more than, than just the photo. Um, so that's what we're working on right now in a lot of different ways. How are, how are artists responding to that possibility? They're so excited. Are you kidding? Like, (laughs) so, I mean, as a, as a producer, thankfully all of cartels work has been pretty well attended over the last you know, 10 years, we, we haven't, or at least for the last six or seven, um, we, though we work really hard at that. We work really hard to cultivate our audience. You know, our, our marketing team is made up of badasses and, you know, Rachel Walker, who, you know, is now doing PR for the planet, you know, started with us and, um, you know, didn't start with us, but grew up with us. And it was, and you know, we had a lot of really great people and we have a lot of really great people working on that, but it's a constant grind. The peer, I have no need to market for people to come. They're coming. Right. I need to just tell them what to do when mm. they're there and get the message about what to do while they're there. And so for an artist, it's really exciting to go, wait, there's an opportunity for me to be somewhere so highly visible that I don't have to like worry that this work of mine is never going to be seen. And I'm going to hit an audience that speaks a billion different languages, is of all ages, all you know levels of accessibility, and is free and open to the public. Like, hell yeah, I want to work on that. Like, I want to be there. So we've gotten, it's like, it's just a different world to like not have to worry like if people are going to come. So it makes my work right now feel that much deeper because I get to go like, oh, they're coming. Mm. What do I want? What do I want them to do? Like, how do I want them to do it? What do I want them to feel? Um, And it's awesome. It's just super cool. Aside from having an awesome job, what... What in this world of immersive and AR and, and interactive is, is doing it for you these days? What, what gets you excited? I, that's a really great question. And I wish I had like a prepared answer that could blow your socks off. <laughs> um, I'm really excited and interested in the conversations around diversity that have gone beyond tokenism. Mm. Um, we're seeing more and more work by artists of color um, or artists of different abilities and or just different types of artists where the art is not about them being an other, but rather just experience and life via their lens. Yeah. And so when I get to go to pieces that tell me a story about and put me in someone else's world, um, 
without it feeling like tour like tourism of right. a culture uh i get really into it um there's you know I, I wish i could like point to like a very specific uh thing that i've seen recently that's done a good job of this my mind is like totally blanking right now um yeah it's uh. it is one of the powers of this work that in the in the desire to popularize it in in the experimentation with form sometimes gets overlooked is this particularly when because when we're talking about experiential when we're talking about being able to put someone in someone else's shoes and whether that's you know the kind of VR stuff that happens I mean Nani de la Pena did so much stuff in VR mm-hmm. with, with her journalism work or talking about a, a, a live piece mm-hmm. and that, that's something that that was a notion that when I first started with this stuff, we were you know, bringing people together to talk about working on it. You know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, what could we do to like put someone in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this idea of like, instead of being, I mean, there's the danger of the tourism, but this idea of like, well, what if instead of watching it happen to someone, it was happening to, to you, you. Mm-hmm. you know, you were treated as if mm-hmm. you were, that person this ability to sort of have shifts in perspective even if just for a little while and Mm -hmm. that was something that i found in the early days of vr was relatively profound particularly when it there was no preamble there was Mm -hmm. no telling it Mm -hmm. was just like all here you are here's the situation you are there i mean the have you done the um oh god now i can't like everything is but on the vive the the like vives version of paint Oh, uh, not tilt brush, but tilt, no, oh, it, tilt it brush. is tilt brush, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google's tilt brush and vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you done it? I haven't done tilt brush. I've, I've messed around actually with like Oculus's version, Medium. Yeah, because which is um, they're not exactly the same yeah. thing, but like there's there's similarities in the. Tools. To me, the first time I tried tilt brush was like revolutionary. Like that experience, it it's sort of I love narrative, I love story, I love you know perspective. All that stuff yeah. is really great. But I also love that, like, oh, this is different than everything else. This is telling me a story that is not written. And, like, I, when I was in Tilt Brush and I was, like, painting in neon around myself and walking through my own creation, I was like, this could solve war. <laughs> like, <this> could, <laughs> if everybody just did this for, like, 15 minutes and they could see the power in art and beauty and their own, like agency within it and like this is amazing like i i love work that you know again and that's why it was saying like the uh, i love that a lot of the work being made by people of color has gone beyond like i'm an indian woman and this is how i feel but rather you're seeing like people making art that kind of transcends beyond um just telling their own story but rather like just feelings and emotions and color and you know it's like we should all be James Terrell. You know, we should all, Mm. I I don't, that exhibit like changed my life. And what is it? It's color, it's light, but it's bathing in it. It's, it's a feeling. It is ennui and joy and all the things like wrapped in just this like wordless space. And so how can we create, and that's the thing. That's the beauty of a thing like James Terrell, right? It's like, you want to take the Instagram photo, but not because like, oh my God, I look so cute, but because you're like, I need to <laughs> capture this moment of joy here yeah. that I'm having like bathed in this light. Like that's what I want to make and that's what I'm so into. And and that's what I think immersive has the power of being where you are swept up in such a way because you're not thinking about, you know, sort of squirming in your seat and like, you're not like checking your phone or whatever. You're just like, you're swept away and you are truly taken over by an emotion, by a feeling, by a color, by a flower wall, by whatever the hell it is. And it makes you go like, oh, I want to take a photo of this because I just want to capture how good or bad or strange or confused I feel in this moment. So if work can get me there, I'm really into it. That feels like the right place to stop. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did my wax poetic. No, it's provide. I want. That's what I want to leave everybody with this time. Great. So, thank you, Nikki. No, thank you. Awesome.
once again want to thank Nagin Singh for being our guest on the show. You can find out what's going on at the Santa Monica Pier by going to santamonicapier.org. What? And you can find out what's going on with Cartel Collaborative Arts LA by going to wearecartel.org. So there you go. That is all the stuff. Um, I've been... My turn. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've been kind of freaked out the past couple of months. Um, uh, part of it's that I, I apparently have like a damaged rotator cuff on my left arm, um, which was making me think that I might have been having small scale cardiac events for about a month and a half. And given that a couple of dudes I know have had actual cardiac events, the, the, it just kept on freaking me out. Saw the doctor this week and I calmed down a lot. So you're going to hear a different tone in my voice. Um, also, uh, you know, backstory. So how did this meow wolf thing happen? Um, Honestly, uh, you know, 90% of it is IDS, uh, the Immersive Design Summit. Uh, Vince Kadlubeck, who is the CEO of Meow Wolf, uh, we invited him as the speaker. Um, and then, you know, uh, Jacob Patterson at Think Tank, if you've ever listened to the, the episode they did with Vince, uh, like he and Jesse Damiani like talked my ass up on that, uh, got Vince really curious. And um, and lo and behold, um, they offered. Um I am, I'm a bad hustler for myself. Uh, I think most people who know me and who know like the behind the scenes work I do, like I will go to the mat for everybody else, like all the time. I'm humble bragging. I hate it. Um, but seriously, like we'll, we'll, you know, we'll march into city hall. We'll, we'll make connections for people. Um, we'll make sure that, you know, no one's kind of dominating someone's time, right? You know, we, we were very, very strategic about it. Um, the fact that every week I get on this show and I beg for money uh, on the Patreon kind of hurts my soul. Um, I don't enjoy it. Um, the idea of knocking on a bunch of people's doors and saying like, can you maybe give like, so we don't have to do this other stuff. Um, that drives me batty. And I know there, there are people who are just like all wee and they will, they will jump in and they'll pitch and, you know, they will, they will promise you the moon and deliver you Swiss cheese. Um, I'm wired the opposite way. Uh, we're 151 episodes into this now and we just got our, our biggest sponsor ever. Um, now I know some of you may be thinking like, oh cool, you don't need me anymore. Peace. Oh my God, that is the exact opposite of what's true. Uh, that would break my heart. So if you're a Patreon backer, please don't take this as news that, that you know, my $5 isn't going to make a difference anymore. It brought us here and it's going to take us to the next space. Like I said, we're about halfway. It took us four years, four years to get halfway to self-sustaining. I want to see if we can do the next half in six months. And I know that's insane and it's crazy. And I've been keeping it, you know, and just, you know, what we say, like, you know, this is the year no pro goes pro. That's what it means. Um, we need, we need to raise another, about another three grand. Uh, and that's just so that the centerpiece is rocking and rolling. Um, there'll always be room beyond that because we want to give stipends to everyone who's working on the newsletters. We want to be able to pay people for reviews. Right now, everything is still volunteer. When we convert over to being an actual business, which we still aren't yet, um, we're going to be, probably shouldn't even said that, but I am, to be honest, um, scrupulously, scrupulously honest uh, to my detriment. Um We'll, we'll need to switch to like user generated content as the mode, but we want to be paying people. Uh, but to do that, you got to take in a lot more and et cetera, et cetera. Wax poetic about, um, about the state of publishing for five minutes. You've all heard it before, so I'm not going to do it again. Um, and this is a celebratory moment. We're entering fringe. We saw our first fringe preview last night. 
there's work all over the country. There's international work. Uh, the North American newsletter is like opening up our eyes beyond that. There are workshops in like every major city being done by brilliant people. The energy around the work is bigger than it's ever been. And we are called, we are all called to make the work as good and as great as it can be. So this, the standard is only going up, right? The more people come in, the higher the standard gets, right? The goals are bigger. The time is now. Um, I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel it again. Uh, there, there were dark moments where I couldn't feel it, where, where it felt like the tunnel was collapsing in and, and we weren't going to make it. But there's just enough and there's people on the other side pulling out rocks, and we need you. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. We need you. And we need the folks on Everything Immersive. And we need the folks who are on the website every day. We need you. A dollar, five dollars. We need you. This month, we want to cross at least the next goal, which is only $150 away. I'd love to get to the $1,500 mark on the Patreon this month. We'll be ever so close ever so close to making the leap. All right. Help us get there. There are going to be plenty of opportunities to help as the time goes on, but this is a great one. Okay. Um, what's up? Uh, I owe a bunch of you an irregular. Get ready for a blast of them during Fringe. Uh, I'm going to record stuff as we go and talk about it and give reflections. Um, Catherine is holding things down on the East Coast. Uh, we've got a couple of reviews in the queue that uh, just need some edits and they'll get out there. I've got a uh, I've got a review of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, that's in Burbank. Uh, it's written. It just needs to be slated up and pushed out there. It may even be out by the end of the day, uh, day job permitting. Speaking of the day job, I got to go to work. So um, that's it for now. Thank you for listening to episode 151. Uh, if for some reason this is the first time you've listened to us, um, sorry, it's always like this. Um, but you can find us at nopersinium.com, at nopersinium on Twitter, at nopersinium on Facebook. Oh my God. I just, geez, Louise, Leia is having office hours as part of Hollywood Fringe Thursday, June 7th. This is what happens when I don't have time to prep all this stuff. Thursday, June 7th, uh, 7 p.m. to midnight. No, 9 p.m. to midnight. Uh, 7 p.m. is when the bar's open. Uh, 9 p.m. to, so I guess when I'll be there. Uh, 9 p.m. to midnight uh, at Thymeli Arts at Santa Monica and Western, a.k.a. Fringe East. Uh, come on down. It is our fringe mixer uh, our, for the immersive community. I really should put that at the top of the show. I'll put it in the show notes. Um there. There we go. That's everything you need to know. I hope to see you soon. Um, let's do the things we always do. Music for, I'm like getting, I'm getting like emotional. Uh, music for this episode. Uh, the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society, as per always. Our sustaining backers are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Ross Sigworth, and Sam Kinkin. Thank you all, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. 